0: When I think of volunteers, I think of service. And I think of all the sterling examples of service that I see week in and week out here at Firewood. Whether it's Kevin Davis remembering every single name he's ever heard, to people helping out with the communion dishes, to people counting the headcount in the auditorium, uh, to someone making sure I remember to blow out the candles so the building doesn't burn down. All of these things require volunteers. With volunteers, I see the tireless spirit of service that y'all bring each and every week. Um, From every activity y'all do, uh, y'all do it with a smile, you do it willingly, and I can see a real joy in your faces. And because of that, I know for a fact that visitors to Firewheel feel that same thing. They feel the familial sense that Firewheel naturally has. That's what y'all bring to the table. And for that, I cannot thank you enough from the bottom of my heart.
1: To see the smiles and excitement on the children's faces as they come in and are checking in and they walk into those classrooms and those volunteers greet them with hugs and high fives and how are you doing today? And then at the end of the hour, them leaving and saying, have a great week. Can't wait to see you next week. And the kids are just so excited. They come down and get their lollipop because they had a great time up in class. And it's not only teachers and volunteers in the classrooms that make children's ministry go, it's those that even sit at the desk and they're greeting families as they come in. They're checking in visitors. They're holding that baby on the lap when they're missing mom a little bit. And then, of course, we have our amazing security team that comes and sits at our desk and watches the video screen and checks the doors and lets us know when we have an escapee run out from one of the rooms and we have to go find them. VBS. 2022 has been my most favorite memory so far. We had over 40 volunteers every night dancing and singing and sharing God's love and the light of Jesus to all these children that showed up. And it just was such an encouragement to me and brought me so much joy. We're doing what we're called to do. We're called to reach these kids because this is where it starts and I thank them, and I love them, and I appreciate every minute of their dedication.
2: That I think about first with volunteers is the background, the foundations that we get from volunteers, the unnoticed work that volunteers often do. Really, our volunteers make the church work. I think about people who tidy up after the class meetings and pick up things and put things back in order, get them ready for next Sunday. Those kind of things go unnoticed. Those are the things that are really important, I feel, to the life of the church. And volunteers do that. Sunday morning worship, if you enjoy worship, um, just know there's a lot of time and effort that goes into getting to where we are by Sunday morning. Um, And along with that, volunteers. Our musicians aren't paid, they're not, uh, you know, uh, compensated other than just the fact that they get to worship God on Sunday mornings. Man, um, our volunteers are amazing. I mean, the, the time that they spend in practice, the, the time that they spend uh, focusing on the songs that we're doing, all that kind of stuff, and our, our volunteers uh, on the worship team are just, they're amazing. And uh, I could not do my job without them. I just couldn't, you know, uh, the the constant showing up and, and being here on Thursdays and being here sometimes on Wednesdays and being here on Sundays. Um, you know, the reality is, is man, these guys just give up their time throughout their weeks to present worship to you on a Sunday morning. And so, um, like I said, I'm I'm very honored to be a part of Firewell, especially being able to lead a group of volunteers. They're just they, uh, they mean the world to me and I'm very thankful for the worship team. I'm very thankful for the volunteers that I have. And, and I just like I said, I just cannot do this without them.
3: To all our volunteers, you are the ones that make Firewell an incredible place and a place that we so dearly love. Whether you serve as one of our Sunday school teachers, whether you are in our parking lot, whether you are the security team, guest services, children's ministry, any ministry that is going on here. Remember that every Sunday you play a vital role and you are being the literal hands and feet of Jesus as you serve and love people well. We love you. Thank you for your service.
4: Can you hear me? Yeah. Good morning, Firewell. Welcome to church. How are you today? All right. So, my name is Chris Nelson. I am the worship pastor here at Firewill. And if you're a regular attender, I know you've already noticed one thing. Um, I am not wearing a hat today. Um, so, um, Ron Jordan, in staff meeting this week, said, Chris, are you not gonna wear, you're not going to wear a hat on Sunday, are you? So, it made me think for a second. I was like, uh... I guess not, Ron. I'll actually look presentable on Sunday morning for you. And so, that's why I'm not wearing a hat. So, for some reason, they have asked me to preach today, um, which I am very excited to share something with you guys today. So, if you guys know this, I work here at the church. I work here part-time. This is a part-time job for me. My day job, I am a chaplain, right? I get to uh, love and be with people that are sometimes dealing uh, with the hardest times of their life, which is the end of life, right? And so I get to do that. So first of all, I just want to say to you guys, I love that I get to be your worship pastor, and I'm very thankful for that, and I love being a chaplain. My life is consumed with ministry, and so I get to do ministry every day, and I'm very honored to do that. So I'm really excited to bring you something that God has laid on my heart today, right? So today we are going to talk about a dialogue between Jesus and a Samaritan woman right? She's at the well. Um, If you grew up in the church, I'm sure you've heard this concept or you've heard this story about Jesus and the woman at the well, right? So today we're going to talk about the concept of, as the worship pastor, we're going to talk about worship. Why do we worship? What is worship? Those types of things, right? And I think this story sums up how and why we worship. So I've been to numerous churches Methodist churches, Baptist churches, Pentecostal church. I've been to every type of worship service you could probably imagine. I've seen churches where uh, people uh, all sing in unison, right? They all sing in unison. There's no instruments on stage. I've seen where people stand up and they dance all around. I've seen where people paint on stage. I've seen all kinds of different concepts of worship. Um, different uh, You'll see uh, the people in the audience, they'll be praising, they'll have their hands up, and then you see some other congregations where everybody has their hands in their pockets and they just can't wait for it to be over, right? I mean, that's just a reality, you know, and they're scared because they're like, what are people going to think to me if I worship, right? Um, I've seen my fair share of worship service, and if you guys have ever been church shopping, I'm sure you guys have as well, right? You've seen these different types of worship services. So the question is, is there a right way to worship God? And if there's a right way to worship God, is there a wrong way to worship God? Right, So the Bible answers both of those questions is, yes, there is a right way to worship God. And yes, there is a wrong way to worship God. Right, And we will see in this story, Jesus explains what it means to be a true worshiper of God. So this leads me, so Adrian does this one truth statement every week. So I thought I would follow along in suit. So um, my truth statement is God is seeking out true worshipers to worship Him. So I'm going to ask a question this morning that I want you to think about as I preach today, as I talk about this. Do you consider yourself a true worshiper of God? Are you a true worshiper of God? My hope is that right here, right now, is that you say yes to that question. I worship God, and I, I am a true worshiper of God. That's what I do. But as we read today, some of us might learn that we have been approaching God during worship, completely wrong, right? And so, my hope is that, first of all, that it convicts you, but also that you fall so much further and deeper in love with Jesus by the time we're done. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's get into some text. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 4. So, in John chapter 3, Jesus has this big conversation with this guy named Nicodemus, right? There is a this was where we get the, for God so loved the world, the John 3:16s that everybody puts on their t-shirts, all that kind of stuff, right? So uh, Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus, and after that, Jesus and his disciples go to the Judean countryside. John the Baptist is baptizing, and John the Baptist testifies to who Jesus is, right? So um, this leads us into John chapter 4, so if you have your Bibles, to summarize verses 1 through 15. So the Pharisees hear that Jesus is baptizing in the countryside which it actually was John the Baptist who was baptizing. So Jesus decides to leave Galilee, and he's headed through. uh, He has to pass through uh, Samaria, which inside of Samaria there's a city called Sychar, And so he stops there, and while he's there, his disciples go into town, right? His disciples go into town, and he stays there, um, and he finds this woman at the well. When he gets there, she's drawing water from the well, and so Jesus asks her for a drink from the well. And what's the first thing she says? She says, why are you asking me? I am a Samaritan and you are a Jew. Why would you ask me for a drink of water, right? So Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for living water, right? Or, or, you know, living water. She looks at him like he's crazy, right? She's like, that doesn't make any sense at all. And Jesus tells her that if she takes his water, she will never be thirsty again. So she tells Jesus to give her this water so that she doesn't have to keep coming back to the well. Ultimately, she probably just thinks that Jesus is just a plumber, right? He can provide eternal water, right? And that's kind of what it comes down to because she just doesn't understand what's going on. She totally misses the point of what Jesus is saying. She thinks he is talking about physical water, but actually he's talking about spiritual water, right? And so she thinks he is talking um, uh, about this, this concept of providing constant water to her constantly, right? So she probably thinks this guy is completely crazy and she does not what's going, know what's going on. So we pick up in verse 16. So if you have your Bibles, Jesus says to her, go and call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not even your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir... I perceive that you are a prophet. So in verses 4 through 17, this woman thinks Jesus is making no sense at all, right? She is talking about physical water. He is talking about spiritual water. She just knows that her trips to that well are long and hot. She's in the middle of the east or in the Middle East, right? And she would like to not have to come back to the well anymore. Um, Like I said before, she probably thinks Jesus is some type of a plumber giving eternal water. And then Jesus does something that almost makes a believer out of her. Jesus calls out her sin. Jesus says, I know you've been married five times, and chick, the homie you're with now, he's not even your husband. Right? And he's saying, you know, you know where you're at right now. And she says, oh, well, um, um," and I can only imagine the look on her face, like a look of puzzlement, like, uh, how does this guy know this? Like, how do you know (laughs) this is the case? How do you know my sin? See, and so, and then she says to Jesus, well, sir, not sure how you know this. I'm guessing you must be a prophet, right? So he automatically elevates himself and pretty much shows that, hey, I know more than you do about your own life, right? And so this gets us, this sets the tone for what we'll be discussing today. Verses 1 through 19, they have tons of theology in them. Tons. You know, living water, the whole concept. But I don't want to focus on verses 1 through 19 today. I want to focus on verses 20 through 24. So after, that, uh, so after she realizes that Jesus is a prophet, this is what she says. She immediately changes the subject. And look at verse 20. It says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, "Woman, Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. So a little context on Samaria and Israel. First of all, they don't like one another. Like, they're not friends. You know, they, uh, there's, there's a big conflict. So back in 930 B.C., Israel divided into two kingdoms. You had the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. The Northern Kingdom was your Samaritans, and the bottom kingdom was Judea, was Israel, right? And so coming later on is in exile in Assyria, conquers and the Israelites are exiled. Everybody's heard of the exile before? Right, and so they're uh, they're sent out. Well, the Samaritans stay, and the Syrians come in, and they intermarry with the Assyrians. The Samaritans intermarry with the Samaritans. Did I say that right? I think I did. So yeah, they intermarry together. Ultimately, what happens is this makes them half-breeds. Right? They're they're no longer completely um, Jews. Right, and so this creates this divide between the Israelites and the Jews. So um, they would have been considered half-breeds. So a little theology on Samaria. First of all, they believed Mount Gerizim as the chosen place of God and the only center for worship, not Mount Zion like most Jews. They only believed in the Pentateuch, which was the first five books of the Old Testament. They believed that Moses was the only prophet, right? No Isaiah, none of the other prophets, right? They also believed that 6,000 years after creation, a restore would arise and would live on earth for about 110 years, and this would be their Messiah. Right? So moving on to verse 20, the woman says, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, meaning Mount Gerizim, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Now, remember earlier how I said that this woman immediately changed the subject, right? She immediately changes the subject. I personally don't think that she was trying to change the subject. I think what she is asking is very relevant to the earlier dialogue. Right? Jesus is using this woman's physical thirst to get after her thirst in her heart for God. Jesus calls out her sin. She is convicted of her sin, being married to five different men and now living with somebody that is not her husband. She wasn't trying to change the subject. She was finally onto her subject. She wondered what she was supposed to do when it came to worship. Where does she go to deal with her sin? Where can she connect with God and which mountain does she worship from? So this brings me to my first point for today's sermon is, true worship is not confined to the church. In verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. See, Jesus explained to this woman that worship is no longer about the where, Right? You'll no longer only have to approach God at Mount Gerizim or Mount Zion. The concept of approaching God in a place, in a temple, and bringing a sacrifice with you is, it, at that time is almost over. But for us, it is over, right? And so worship is not confined to the church. So many of us, Sunday morning is the only time we worship during the week. That's just the reality. This is the only time we will worship God throughout the week right? And we are under the impression that we must be at church to worship God. Just out of curiosity, how many of you guys worship in your cars? A lot of you, right? To and from work? You guys ever been caught worshiping? I have, numerous times. So I'm always looking for songs for us to do for Sunday mornings, those types of things. And I'll be, you know, singing, and I'll be going 60 miles an hour, and I have my eyes closed, which is not safe at all. And i am be, Waymaker, miracle. you know, I'm singing, and I'll look over people look at me like I'm crazy. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, Jesus had the will, you know? And so, but, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I thank God for the covenant that, man, we don't have to come to church. We don't have to go to a temple to worship God. We can worship God anywhere. Right, And so um, I, 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 I love that concept because as a worship pastor, that's, I should love my job, and I love my job, and we get to worship God. So I'm sure most of you guys have heard of Asbury, Kentucky, right? Have you guys heard what's going on there, this huge revival? Isn't that amazing? That is amazing what's going on there. So Vanessa, my wife, she had showed me this story last week that these people drove 17 hours to get to Asbury. Not only did they drive 17 hours, but they waited all day outside just waiting to get inside. You know, the reality is, is if we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit and we have God with us and we believe in Jesus Christ, we could worship anywhere. We don't have to drive 17 hours to worship God. If we wanted to have a revival here today, we could. That's just the reality. Right? And I'm not discrediting what's going on in Asbury. That is amazing. We should thank God for those types of things. But I am saying that we could do the same thing right here if we wanted to. God's true worshipers will worship anywhere. Moving on to verse 22, Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. So let's unpack this for a second. Jesus tells the woman that she worships what she does not know. So remember earlier when I told you Samaritans only believed in the Pentateuch which is the first five books of the Old Testament. What Jesus is trying to say to this woman is, your spiritual wisdom and knowledge is limited because you believe in limited teachings. You don't believe in the Old Testament. He goes on to say that Jews worship what they do know because salvation is from the Jews. See, the Jews worshiped a God who had made himself known to them throughout their history. He, he made himself known to uh, Abraham and Moses and all the other prophets. He was with them. Right? See, all the other prophets spoke of a Savior and how the Savior would come from who? A Jewish nation. And how salvation would only be through this one Savior. See, salvation has always been through the Jews. Even for us, most of us are Gentiles in this room. Salvation still came from the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. So that's where salvation comes from. And that's what he's explaining there. Verse 23, Jesus says, But the hour is coming, and now is here, When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Say spirit and truth. truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. See, Jesus is not focused on the where or the who. He's actually focused on the how. Right? He's actually focused on the how. So this brings me to my second point for today. True worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So when we hear the word spirit, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Holy Spirit, right? The third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? The word for spirit in Greek is actually called penuma, right? And uh, it it means, you know, the wind, it's a spirit, right? If you see in the old, uh, the Hebrew, it's called ruach, right? And this is the same thing as a spirit. So if you look in your Bibles, you will see that the word spirit here is not capitalized you will see that there's no definite article. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit or the Spirit. Why do you think that is? The reason is, is the word for spirit here has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. It actually has to do with the human spirit. It has to do with our, our inner person, our hearts, right? See, worship is to flow from the inside out, not outside in. Does that make sense? From the inside out. See, worship is not being at the right place. Worship is not being uh, somewhere at the right time. It's not hearing the right words during a sermon. It's not about having the right demeanor. It's not about wearing the right clothes, (laughs) following the right formalities, hearing the right music from stage. And it's not about setting the right mood. See, we don't create an environment for worship. Worship takes place on the inside, in our spirit, in our hearts. The Apostle Paul, spoke of this spirit in Romans 1-9. Paul, he's longing to go to Rome, right? And so he's writing at the beginning of of, of it. And this is in his introduction, this is what he says. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you. The word serve here actually means, in Greek, it means to worship. So Paul is saying, whom I worship with my spirit. Paul worshiped God in his spirit, with his heart. See, authentic worship is a function of the heart. God is looking for true worshipers to worship Him with their hearts. So the question is, what does that look like? How do we worship God with our hearts? Well, first of all, we must be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. That's the bare minimum, right? To worship God, we must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has to be in you to produce true worship. We can do nothing apart from the Spirit. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 2.11, For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? See, also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. See, no one can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. Right? And the only way for us to receive the Holy Spirit is for us to surrender our lives to who? Jesus. Right? See, if you are not saved, you cannot truly worship God. I'll say that one more time. If you are not saved and do not have a relationship with God with Jesus, you cannot truly worship God. And those of us who are truly saved, the Holy Spirit is what motivates us to worship. Your thoughts, number two, your thoughts must be centered on God. Has anybody in here ever tried meditating before? Try thinking about one thing with our culture that's unheard of. Like trying to think of one thing and one thing only at one time. And I will tell you, my mind runs a thousand to nothing. Until I lay my head down at night, I I think about everything underneath the sun. Plus I had really bad ADHD as a kid, and so I think I never really got rid of it. And so it's squirrel disease constantly. And so I get on my wife's nerves constantly. So it happens. So meditation for me is extremely hard to focus on one thing and one thing only, right? To think about uh, anything for a period of time, just one thing is is almost impossible. But I will tell you, when I spend time with Jesus and I read his word for a period of time, God gives me a heart of meditation. Been there. It's happened to me numerous times. Time spent with Jesus helps me to meditate only on Him. If you're not spending time with God, your thoughts can never be centered on only Him. How can you center your thoughts on something you know nothing about, or someone you never spend time with? If worship is, worshiping, is about worshiping God, but you never spend time meditating on Him or His Word, it's gonna be hard to be a true worshiper, amen? That's just the reality. We have to meditate on God To be a true worshiper of God. Number three, we must have an undivided heart. Have you ever walked into this room or sat down to pray and you go to worship and you're thinking about everything but God? I've done it from this state. (laughs) I've done it numerous times where I'm trying to worship, but I'm thinking about emails. I'm thinking about patients I need to see. I'm thinking about what me and Vanessa are going to eat for dinner. I'm thinking about everything but God during prayer. I'm, and if you're saying that's never happened to you, I'm not going to say you're lying, but, you know, it is what it is. So, but it, it happens, man. It, it does. Um, it's happened to me so many times where I'll be in a, in, a, in a meeting, a prayer meeting, and we're all praying, and my mind will just drift off. As soon as I'm done praying and then other people pray, I drift off. See, worship comes from an unwavering heart. Worship comes from a single-minded, determined, and purposeful heart. A heart completely Completely focused on God. So if your mind is not on God when you walk in this room, you cannot worship God. Does that make sense? You cannot. Let me say that one more time. Single-minded, determined, and purposeful heart. A true worshiper of God will focus on God and God only during worship. Number four, we must be repentant. Guys, we must deal with our sin before we decide to worship. This one's hard. <laughs> Psalm 24, three through four says, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. You know, many of the old football stadiums and baseball stadiums are being torn down, right? Anybody seen the new Ranger stadium? Has anybody been there? Uh, I heard that place is awesome, like they have AC in there and it opens and closes, I heard it's awesome, right? See, the older stadiums were okay, but they had features in them that modern technology has now improved on is why they're building new stadiums. See one of the problems is, is the older stadiums in much of the seating, certain areas had an obstructed view. There was usually like beams in your way or you would have to, you know, you kind of sit like this as you're watching, you know, the game and so on and so on. A beam or a post would block full participation in the sporting event. Oftentimes, if you were seated in one of these seats behind a column, a fan would have to ask another fan, hey, what just happened on the field? They'd have to get secondhand information because they couldn't see it for themselves. They could hear the noise, they could hear the shouts, they could hear the excitement, but the column kept them from being full participant in the activities. Many of us are in this stadium called the Church. Right? We're in this stadium called the church, and we're worshiping God with an obstructed view because of our sin. That's just a reality. We hear the noise, we hear the singing, we hear the celebration and the meditation, but many of us are getting it secondhand. We're sitting in a seat, but we're sitting in a seat with an obstructed view. See, sin will keep us from full participation in worship. It will keep a Christian from experiencing the reality of God operating in their lives see if we have areas that are not pure in the sight of god we cannot truly worship him let me say that one more time if we have areas that are not pure in the sight of god we cannot truly worship god if you're dealing with sin and you don't have a repentant heart you cannot experience the nearness of god to be a true worshiper of god you must have a repentant heart and be willing to ask god to cleanse you so, to worship in spirit means to worship with your heart, to worship with your inner self, right? So, what does it mean to worship in truth? Have you guys ever been listening to a song, listening to a song, and you were in one mood, and by the time that song came on, you were in another mood? Like, the music changes your emotions, right? Like, it changes who you are. Like, if you hear heavy metal, it just uh, makes you, you know, get real loud. And then there's some sad songs that will take you to, like, a different place, right? Like, right now, if, if you guys played Leonard Skinner, like, Sweet Home Alabama for me, or, like, Free Bird or something like that, man, it would change my whole demeanor up here, right? And so that's just because music induces certain feelings. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. So this next statement that I'm going to make is going to be hard to hear. It's hard for me to hear, too, right? Worship is not about your emotions. Worship is not about your emotions. It's not about hearing certain God words and listening to musical sounds that induce certain feelings. John MacArthur said it like this He said, True worship is a response of adoration and praise prompted by the truth that God has revealed. See, Pilate asked Jesus this question. He said, what is truth? Right? Jesus never answered Pilate, but later on, God, or Jesus is praying to God. And whenever he's praying to God, this is what he says. He says, sanctify them in truth, for your word is truth. See, worship, to worship in truth, we must worship out of an understanding of the word of God. That's why it's so important that we follow expository preaching. We follow preaching that is straight from the Bible. Would you guys agree with that? Straight from the Bible. That's why we're a Bible church. We follow stuff straight from the Bible. I know everybody loves a great sermon. I know you love great illustrations. Everybody loves to laugh, right? But see, the purpose of preaching is not to create an emotional experience. Preaching is not done to stir the emotion of the congregation or the audience. Preaching, which is worship, Say that one more time. Preaching, which is worship, is done to proclaim the word of God, which is what? The Bible. Scripture. God is seeking true worshipers to worship him based on his words and not your emotions. And his words are scripture. See, the Samaritan style of worship was done out of ignorance because they only believed in the Pentateuch. They only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. They did not believe in the full truth of God. Samaritans were characterized, um, if you would say, because of their intermingling with the Assyrians, as they were very charismatic and very passionate in the way that they worshipped, right? See, they were worshipping uh, in, I would say, their spirit, but they, see, they had no truth to it, right? And see, the Jews had the full truth. They accepted all the books of the Old Testament, but see, they lacked the spirit, When the Pharisees prayed and they fasted and they gave alms, all those types of things, right, they they didn't do it from the heart. They did it out of obligation. They did it out of legalism, from the law. And that's why Jesus later on constantly calls them hypocrites. See, worship was done wrong on both sides. See, I think we see the same thing in our churches today. We see people get together and, and do antics on stage. We see people speak in different languages that we don't understand. We see people run across stage. They, they have tons of lights and tons of cameras, and they have all this stuff going on, but there's no truth or substance to their gospel. They think they have to set the right tone or setting for God to show up. God is here. Amen? Amen? They think they have to, they, they have to set this, you know, uh, this setting for God to be here. And that's, that's totally false. And then we see those who hold firm to sound biblical teaching, right? Meaning truth. But their hearts just aren't in it. They have not surrendered to the Spirit. Their thoughts are not centered on God. Their hearts are undivided. And they are not willing to repent. They worship God in truth, but not in spirit. It's all on the outside. Nothing comes from the inside. So my one truth statement for you today was God is seeking out true worshipers to worship Him. John 4.4, 4, it says like this, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Key word, had. See, Jesus knew how important this next conversation was going to be. This woman was going to the well in the middle of the day because she was shunned by her sin. Being married five times and now living with a man that wasn't even her husband. Jesus calls out her sin. This woman is amazed, and she's amazed because Jesus knows her story. She knows there is nothing different. She knows that there's something different about Jesus. She feels convicted about her sin, and she wants to know how in the world is she supposed to worship? How does she approach God? And she says it's not about the where or the who. It's actually about the how. He says Jesus is looking for Uh, or God, is looking for true worshipers. True worshipers who will worship in truth and in spirit. So this will take us to our application. Um, Not very good at application, but I'm going to try. We'll see how well this goes. So, if worship is no longer confined to a certain space, temple, or no longer requires a sacrifice, spend your days worshiping God. Right? It's Worship is simply us expressing our love and our thanks to God. It's thanking Him for who He is and what He's done on the cross. Man, worship in your car. Worship with your families. Worship in the park. Worship with your friends. Worship when things are going bad. I'll tell you, man, the last two years have been rough for me. (laughs) I've had to do a lot of worshiping from this stage where it's tears. I'm telling you. But also, worship when things are going good, too. Right? We don't have to drive 17 hours to worship God. Right? We could have a revival here if we wanted to. (laughs) Let's do it. If God is seeking out true worshipers here and now, my question to you is, why would you wait until church on Sunday? Why would you wait? The second thing today, the only only way to worship God is in the Spirit. With your heart. Look at John 4.24 if you have your Bible. Jesus says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. See, this is not a request. This is a mandate. This is the only way we can worship God. There are no other options. You can't have one without the other. You have to have spirit and truth or truth and spirit. First of all, you must profess that Jesus is your savior. This is the only way you obtain the Holy Spirit, and you can't worship God without the Holy Spirit. He is the one that entices you to worship. And you must spend time with God to have your thoughts centered on God for worship. You have to meditate on Him and His Word. You must have an undivided heart, a heart completely focused on God. Doing worship sometimes... um, we do worship every Sunday, right? And sometimes, man, you know, there's a lot of practice that goes into us getting um, worship done for Sunday mornings, right? And sometimes, um, I, will say, I will say to myself, like, Chris, all that practice you, p- you put in, it, it, it paid off, right? Like, you, you guys, we, the congregation was able to worship, we were able to put on a good service. You know what happens when I do that, when I start talking about me and my practice and, and everything that's going on with me and and, and how I got us to where we are, I immediately take the worship from Him to myself. At no time is worship about any of us. Amen? Like, it's not about us. And I have to constantly tell the worship team that, just because it's part of us putting on a show or part of us leading you guys in a congregation, but it's not about us. And I have to constantly pull myself back in because I worship myself rather than God. We have to focus on God for it to be true worship. Also, we must be willing to repent. We can't approach God with an impure heart. You can't. So if there's sin that you haven't dealt with and you come in here every week to worship, you're not worshiping. That's just the reality. I think one of the main reasons we're not able to focus on God during worship is because we are too focused on our sin we have never confessed. Confessing sin has to be a priority if you want to be a true worshiper of God. And last, worship in truth. Don't be a Samaritan and worship out of ignorance. God has revealed His truth to you by His Word. But the only way you will know His truth is if you what? Study His Word. You can't know the truth if you don't study His Word. Don't not let other people tell you. Know it for yourself. Paul says this to the Colossians in John chapter, or I mean, Colossians chapter 3. He says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Worship is not about a crazy experience that gives no meaning or no content. Just not. It's not about a good feeling on the inside. Now, if we worship and we're worshiping God like, like this tells us, emotions will pour out of us because we're so happy that we're worshiping God. Does that make sense? Okay. Worship is an expression of praise from the heart from your spirit. See, But only through God, who is understood, as he's truly revealed. And he's revealed where? Scripture. So my last question to you this morning is, are you a true worshiper of God? Do you consider yourself a true worshiper of God? God's looking for him. Are you? My question is, if you guys are contemplating that, that, if you're a true worshiper of God... My question is, will you become one today? Will you become a true worshiper of God? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for, man, just these, uh, these wonderful people, man. That uh, Everybody got up out of bed this morning just to come to worship you. That's why we're here in, uh, in word and in song is to worship you. God, I ask that, man... First of all, if there's people that need to confess sin this morning, that we got one more song this morning. that they confess it before this song, that they can confess their sin so that, man, they can worship with you. They can worship you. God, I ask that you uh, provide strength and endurance for all these people in this room as they, uh, as they navigate their weeks. Just be with them and help them to remember, you know, worship you daily. Thank you daily for the things that you do. God, we love you. We just thank you for the many blessings you bless upon each one of us in our church, in Jesus' name, amen.
3: All right, Firewheel family, I'm going to ask you all, if you'd like to, uh, we're going to put into practice literally what Chris just said. We're going to worship and I hope we worship in spirit and in truth. We end every service, we take an opportunity for prayer here at Firewheel because we believe that's one of the ways we care and love for one another, Uh, but it's also a way as the body of Christ that we can show our support to one another as well. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come forward, and during this next song, if there's something that, whatever it may be, maybe it's you need prayer for salvation today, maybe you need prayer because you're just going through a difficult time, Whatever it may be, allow one of us to have the opportunity to pray f- with you and for you today. And for those of you that may need to have an opportunity just to confess sin, I pray that you take the opportunity to respond to what God has spoken through his servant today, just even where you're at. And so if you would like to stand, you can stand during the song. You can remain seated. But remember, this is not, a, this, this is not just an observing time. This is a holy time. This is a time for us to participate and to be able to respond to what God has spoken uh, today. So let's take an opportunity to pray and to worship.
1: got years and years of strife Tear down my religion. You're all I really
2: When all of a sudden
1: I
3: Before we take the offering and have a few announcements, I want to begin by first saying thank you to the many of you that have sent text messages, have sent messages on Facebook, have reached out to Jen and I. Uh, Those of you who do not know, my grandmother, this past Tuesday the 28th, uh, passed from this life to the next one. Uh, She was very dear to our family and uh, this has been a really hard one to play both role of pastor and grandson and so uh, i want to let you know and i want to thank everybody that this coming saturday uh, from three at three o'clock we're going to have a visitation time we're going to do a smaller service here in texas and then do another service next week in our hometown and so if you'd like to be able to uh, express your love in that way we'd Love to have you here to be able to love on my family. Uh, We're gonna have visitation hour from three to four uh, this coming Saturday. And then we're going to have a memorial service starting at four o'clock. And we'd love for you to be able to be there. I thank you for the firewall community and all the love that you shared and um, how the staff has been planning around and helping us to plan and coordinate all the different details for that. I am really, really, truly grateful. And it seems very fitting that today is volunteer appreciation Sunday that uh, in case you didn't notice when you actually came into church today a little something happened to our church facility this week and so uh, God is good though it's not about a building is it the people of God and habit happen to be take place and we worship inside of a building but the church is not a building buildings can be repaired we're grateful that lights were on. I am so grateful that 30 plus volunteers were out here doing cleanup on Friday and those who stepped in immediate to fix immediate needs on Thursday night so that way we could be able to worship today. Can we give those people a hand for doing that? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. I mean, and it, like I said, it's so fitting that today is Volunteer Appreciation Sunday. So uh, before we take the offering, I do want to let you know if you are a person who is a volunteer, who serves in any capacity here at Firewheel, not only did we want to have this video to kind of show you and express our appreciation, but also there is a candy bar that we set up. Now, not meaning actual physically a candy bar, but literally a bar full of candy. And so uh, as you exit the auditorium today, uh, when, you, when we exit, we want you to go ahead and pick up a You Are Loved mug and fill it up with any kind of candy that you want that's on that table. Uh, and it's the good stuff. It's not the crappy candy, okay? It's the good stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about, about the crappy candy, right? No, this is the good stuff, all right? So please take an opportunity to go over there, fellowship, and we love for you to, and we want to go ahead and uh, be able to pick that all up, and that's going to be good and have a time to celebrate to do that. All right. Uh, if we can get the ushers to come forward, we'll go in and collect the offering. We'll pray over the offering. Oh, if you're a first-time guest, by the way, welcome. Uh, if I've not had the chance to meet you yet, I'd love to have the opportunity to do that. My name is Adrian Pina, and I serve as the Transitional Pastor here at Firewheel Bible Fellowship. and. Uh, I'd love to meet you at our Connection Center after service. Fill out a a little guest connection card, and we have a a gift that we'd like to give to you and maybe answer any questions you have about the church and be able to just uh, get to meet you. So I'd love to be able to meet you out there in the lobby after service. So let's go ahead and pray. So Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to worship through giving. We thank you that you are the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You are the one who is the source of everything. And, Lord, we pray that the giving of this offering of a financial contribution, Lord, is not because you need it, but it's an expression to show that money is a tool that we could utilize for ministry and that it is something we want to bring to you as an offering. And so, Lord, I pray that you bless the gift and the giver and cause it to multiply for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Hello, and welcome to Firewheel Bible Fellowship, where we strive to be Christ-centered and gospel-focused. Here's what's happening at Firewheel. A great serving opportunity we have at Firewheel is King's Closet, a clothing ministry benefiting the homeless of Dallas. Come sort clothes for those in need every second Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Moms, come bring the kids and hang out in the gym every third Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Bring some lunch, sip some hot coffee, and chat with other moms as the kids play. Summer is right around the corner, and you know what that means, camps and VBS. Teen camp for ages 13 through 18 will be June 26 through July 1st. Junior camp for kids age eight and have completed second grade through age 12 and completed sixth grade will be July 10th through 15th. Registration is open now. Turn in a registration form and $60 deposit by April 16th. Register online or pick up a registration form at the Connection Center. There are a limited number of spots, so register early. Any late registrations will be added to a wait list. If you'd like to sponsor a child for camp, contact Barbara at firewheelfellowship.com. And don't forget to add VBS to your summer calendar. VBS will be the week of July 24th.
0: For more info on these or any of the events going on around Firewheel, check us out at firewheelfellowship.com events, or you can find us on social media.
3: All right, if we'll get you to stand, we'll go ahead and pray our benediction over you and get you dismissed. All right. Oh, it's not on my... Okay. So let's pray. May the Lord go before you to light your path and give you direction. May He go behind you to guide your steps. May He go beside you to keep you from stumbling. May He go above you to protect you. And may He go within you to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And may our Father in heaven always grant you character that is greater than your gifts and humility that is greater than your influence. God bless you guys. We love you all so much. You are dismissed.